It is January 21st, 2020. This is episode 18 of Richardale Talk. I'm your host, David Newton. And this episode is going to be different than previous ones. Last December, the Hydroplane and Raceboat Museum rented out the Cinerama in Seattle to host a private showing of the Madison movie. Now, 2018 marked 20 years since the production ended on the movie. A lot of people came together from around the country to get the boats on the water for the months of filming, and needless to say, this was not an easy feat. The hundreds of people at the theater got a great chance to see the movie one last time on the big screen. Then afterwards, a panel, including David Williams, Camus Cattell, Mark and Mitch Evans, Karen Sr., as well as a few more that talked to the crowd and took questions at the end. Luckily, I have my recorder on hand, and I'm able to share the stories with you. Now sit back, relax, and welcome to Rishitale Talk. I was beginning to tell the story about how the, the movie came about. We were contacted in 1993, and we were uh, then ignored for about five years, and then contacted again uh, in 97, I guess it was, um, and Ken made an effort to buy the real Miss Madison, and he sent it back to the uh, Madison shop to be prepared for the movie. And they took the deck off, they took the bottom off, they took the sponsors off, yeah. they took all of the hardware off, and then got a sponsor for the turbine boat, and shoved everything outside, and forgot about it. And then we got a phone call, the middle of April of 99, saying, hey, we're going to film this summer, we need to be ready to film by July 4th weekend. And I flew back to Madison, and the boat was garbage. Um, if Randy Mueller is still here, the boat looked like it looks now. No deck, no bottom, no sponsors. Um, so we flew back to Seattle and kind of panicked. And we decided that we would take the Savior's Mist, which at that point, no one had seen for about three years. It was stored up in Woodenville. And uh, I gave uh, a real ballpark estimate of what it would cost to get it done. They sent the check, the check arrived on May 1st, and we started restoring the boat on May 1st. We had it running in 58 days, and when we started, there was no deck, there was no rudder, there was no strut, there was no hardware. It had fuel tanks, no dashboard, no engine, um, and the museum crew just came together, and we literally took the boat from just bare frames, uh, this is the Saber's Mist, to a running boat in 58 days. While we were doing that, uh, we were also trying to get the Miss Budweiser restored so the Budweiser could go back and film with us and prepare the Miss Burien. So we were working on three boats and we were just about done with the Madison. It was, to be honest, we ran it for the first time on June 25th. So this was about June 18th. I got a phone call from Bill Bindley, just a sign that Bill Bindley was the director, check on how things were going. And I said, oh, the boat's going great. Oh, the Budweiser's beautiful. Right now, we just stained the wood deck on the Budweiser. <laughs> and he goes, the wood deck? No, Budweiser has to be red. Budweiser has to be a red pickle fork. Well, we had restored the 67 Bud, and we're planning to use that. Uh, and in 15th of June, we found out that we couldn't, and we had to film on July 4th. So then we scrambled, got in touch with Bob Schroeder, got the old Tempest that you used to drive, and... Uh, got it to Madison. When it got to Madison, it was maroon. We painted 
added a tail fin, and we started filming. Um, at that point, we still didn't have a lead actor. We began filming on July 4th, and Jim Caviezel did not even sign the contract to come on until September 1st. He first showed up on set on September 4th. So the first two months of the film, there was no lead actor. Um, so a few of the things that have gone wrong here today, that's nothing compared to what went wrong during the movie. Um, I've rambled for a while. Ken, you've got a microphone. Do you want to say something? Uh, yeah, it was... First off, you've got to remember, you saw all these boats running. Uh, those uh, number of boats had never, ever run together at that time, ever. So you saw something very unique, uh, and it was uh, it was sort of invented out of whole cloth. And what you might we can talk about how they how all these guys ran these together. You got to remember we didn't have radios, boy. Didn't have radios because you couldn't hear. Okay, you still don't have radios. So what we did was we have a piece of plywood, and we they had a drawn course on the plywood. And he had little toy cars. We all have Hot Wheels the same color as our That's how you figured out how to position and when to position and what. And we ran a lot of laps. But it, it somehow worked, even with him. I know. We, we, we tried to tear your equipment up. Right. <laughs> but you know, the unique thing was, is when we first started, if uh, something went wrong, they'd cut and have us come back in. Finally, I don't know who figured it out, but let's go out and do like three or four things at a time, you know. And yet, they were using flats because we didn't have communication. So, you know, if uh, you ran a couple laps, you did your thing. If a red flag came up, that means you went to the next sequence where, you know, the mattice might be passing yeah. the button and so on and so forth. So, pretty unique how it came about. And you know what's, you know what's unique is that actually Mark never looks at flags. <laughs> never! <laughs> so, when they would send us out, as, as Mark said, we'd usually have three shots and three attempts at each shot. So, we'd have nine things to do when we went out. And I, I know a bunch of people in here are from the museum. Any of you guys, show of hands, have actually been out in a boat, driven a boat? Any of you guys out there? All right, so let me tell you what it's like when you're, when you're doing the movie. Um, especially when you have a camera mount on the boat. So very first thing, you saw some special effects, uh, particularly with the Madison, where it kept blowing smoke. That was a can of, uh, of peanut oil that was on the side of the cockpit, and there was a hand pump, so you pump that up, and then there's a trigger, and that would release vegetable oil into the exhaust, which would burn, and you get that beautiful smoke and a little bit of fire. So you're going out, and first thing is, you're, as you're positioning the boat amongst five other boats, you're pumping up that can, and then you're getting ready, you're lining up the shot. And the first thing you do is you turn on the video camera, because you're running a 35 millimeter film camera that they can't develop very quickly, but they want to see what the shot looks like. So first thing you do is you turn on the film, or you turn on the video camera, then you turn on the compressed air, which is another switch, which blows compressed air across the face of the 35 millimeter camera. Then you turn on the 35 millimeter camera. Then you do your shot, and then you back that down. You turn off the 35 millimeter, you turn off the air, you turn off the video camera. And then you set up your next shot, and you do that all again. In the meantime, you're triggering the effect. There's so much going on that has nothing to do with driving the boat. You've got to spit your gum out first before you do all that. Can't you come do that thing? But um, so, if I remember correctly, Ken Muscatel drove the mahogany boat, which was the Budweiser and the Notre Dame. I think those are the only two names that your boat ran under. Right. You know, we ran the Hawaii Kai. Long we ran the Hawaii Kai, but I believe boat. Mark, you drove the Hawaii Kai, or Jerry, you drove the Hawaii Kai. I drove the Hawaii Kai. 
Yeah, Jerry did. Jerry was going to do a lot more driving, and he got himself hurt in a turban in San Diego, and he was limping all around with a video camera filming everything that we did. Yeah, I'll add a little more to that story. How it really happened was, <laughs> well, I, how I ended up that way, I was driving um, at Seafair, I was driving the U-15, which was a Leland boat, and Greg had driven it all season long, my son, and it was his rookie year, but Chip Hanauer had gotten hurt at Tri-Cities the week before. So Greg went to drive the Pico, and I got in the, the 15, and I'm running side by side with, with Mitch in what, the Appian Geronimo? Appian. And I, I couldn't get the boat straightened out at the exit pin, and I hit his boat. So my boat, as it goes around like this, spins this way, and what it did is it chipped my tibia. It actually chipped the bone. So my racing was over. Well, I didn't know it was broken. Uh, I knew it hurt a lot, but then I went up to the following week, everybody went up to Kelowna to race the Unlimiteds, well, I couldn't drive the boat, and we had our unlimited light, so I was running the radios. Really good move, right? One crutch in the sand, walking around with a broken leg, crawling up and down off of Leland's truck to do the radios, <clears throat> and then I drive my pickup truck, which is a stick, hauling the horse trailer that had all of the museum equipment in it, two engines, it was, a, it was like a 35-foot-long horse trailer, back to Madison, Indiana. I got this leg up on the console and the other one running a clutch and somehow trying to shift this thing and made this whole thing back to Madison. So Mark ran the first, what, two or three weeks? Weren't you there? Yeah. Well, we did, we did a little bit of both, but not right at first. I did some filming on crutches and then Mark, take it from here. Yeah, it was a fun time, uh, but uh, uh, what cracked me up is, uh, who the heck is Cat's Pride? You gonna give me a kitty litter boat? I mean, you gotta be kidding me. But anyway, so right quick, explain the, the Cat's Pride. So Cat's boat. Pride was a sponsor out of Chicago that put up money for a product placement. They were a real product, and they put up actually about $100,000 towards making the movie. Um, and the, the boat was blue and white and yellow. One of the funny things, if you look at the Cat's Pride, you see the way the, the stripe on the tail fin stops right where the, the, uh, uh, the trim tab is? It wasn't supposed to, but when they faxed me the drawing, I, my machine ran out of fax paper, so it only went that far. So when I handed that over to the director, or to the, the uh, production people, they refused to add the rest of it on because they didn't have anything on paper that had been signed by the director. So I kept saying, no, extend the stripe, extend the stripe. And, and they wouldn't do it. They did exactly, did exactly what you said, though. Yeah. But hey, with all the driving that went on, there was a lot of, like you said, Jerry drove, drove clear across the country with a trailer full of stuff. All the crew guys, the car in here, and uh, uh, they all helped out tremendously. And I never went over 3,200 RPMs. <laughs> 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 now, down at the end, Peter was our main engine man for most of the... the uh, how many engines did we make you build, Pete? Well, we put the one on the... Uh, Use the microphone. Uh, we put the uh, engine together in the Burien Caps Pride. And that's the first one the museum had put together. And that took us about a year. 
And then we had less than six weeks to uh, completely overhaul the engine that ran into Madison, which ran most of the hours that we filmed the movie. The Madison was the Alberta, it, was, it became subsequently the Alberta and was oh, the Madison Hall. Yeah. 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 yeah, that uh, to go back and say that's a 58 day restoration from just being out in the weeds to being on the water, and then we ran it for 18 years without any major malfunction. Uh, that's pretty, pretty darn incredible. Uh, just to say, Mark never went over 3200 RPM, oh, but he's dyslexic. Just so you know. <laughs> All right, so one of the things that people always ask about is the two-headed hydro, and I'll tell that story quick, and then I'll get these guys involved in it. Um, we were in Madison, and the director came up to me and said, I need you to take some time with the lead actors, with the Rick Winston and the Jim McCormick character, and I need you to teach them how to drive a boat. I said, oh, okay, how much time do I have? Well, I can give you an hour on Sunday, and how much more time? Well, no, that's it. It's an, it's an hour on Sunday. Um, and that discussion took place. We were actually on the water filming the scene with the, um, the Skip McNaughton character, where the boat breaks down, and he stands up and he sort of throws the helmet disgustedly down. So we're on the water, and I'm telling Bill, I cannot put real actors in these race boats. And he said, I got you, because I need them in traffic. I need to be able to show a driver's face and a boat passing them on the inside or the outside. They've got to be real drivers in the boat in traffic. And right at that point, the actor who plays Skip throws the helmet down, it bounces up, it bounces off the boat, he lunges for it, and he falls headfirst into the water. And I just said, Bill, that's the reason that we won't put actors in race boats. So then I had to come up with a solution. And uh, what we did is we took the, the Cat's Cry beer in hull, we put a real cockpit in front of the motor, and we disconnected everything in the back cockpit, we would put an actor in the back cockpit where he could steer and, and pretend like he was really driving the boat. The real driver would be up front, actually driving the boat, and then we'd mount cameras on the boat right over the engine facing back or facing sideways. So you could film the actor in the boat, in traffic, without the real actor driving. When we first got that boat put together, um, I think Kim and I took it out once, and Jerry and I took it out once. And you hit a rock and ripped the rudder off the boat. <laughs> Oh, no. We had to stay up all night long and fix it. I think that's the first time I ever heard Roger Newton swear. When, when Ken and I took off, I was driving, Ken was in the back, and the tide had gone down, and no one told us there was a great big rock right in the middle of the pit area, and we pulled off. So you understand this is David's fault. Yeah. It's always my fault. I was wondering who it was. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, we, we ripped the rudder off, Okay, is, is Greg Hedman here? Good, I can tell this story. <laughs> we replaced the transom and the rudder of the boat overnight. We started at about 6 o'clock and we were in bed by 3 o'clock in the morning. That's a job that in the shop, one of our crews took a year and a half to do. <laughs> I'm just saying that when you're, on the, when you're at the lake, you can get things done really, really quickly. So. Um, I started hearing these rumors that Mitch and Mark wanted to take the boat out together. And the rumors made it all the way up to Bill Bindley. And Bill took me aside and said, Dave, you can let those crazy sons of bitches take the boat out, but if they do that swap thing they're talking about, we're closed down because the insurance agent is here, he's, he's investigating, not investigating, he's just sort of snooping around looking at things, and if he sees that happen, he's gonna close us down. So I go to Mark, and I say, Mark, promise me, you're not going to do anything stupid out there. 
And you can take the story from here. Just to make sure that everybody understood what Dave said about the insurance, that they were actually close to shutting down the production. So it was that, that it was really a serious deal. But you didn't tell me that part. Oh no, too late, yeah. No, it's 20 years, years, no, 20 years later. later. But that's true, for the same token, it, it was the most priceless moment of the entire filming. That is, the truth. Well, no wonder uh, we got to go out to dinner with the uh, stunt group uh, that night, and uh, I can't remember who was it. Artie Malish and Artie, T-Bar. Yeah, Artie and T-Bar, but who's the main dude that was, oh, well, someone chewed my butt. He looked right up at me and goes, are you one of the stunt brothers? And I went, well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> well, we heard about your stunt, you're not going to do that anymore. But what I wanted to say was right quick is um, it was getting late. And uh, I got up front first to drive, and I knew we weren't going to be able to get back to the dock and refuel in time to let Mitch drive it. So I said, tell you what, brother, man, you just run up here and grab all the carburetor linkage and hang on to that thing. <laughs> and I'll get out, and it'll go for a while, but and we had a good time. Here you go, Mitch. Tell a little about it. Um, well, that was a really good plan until I got up and got next to the motor and went, oh, Christ, it's really hot right here. <laughs> and now what do we do, right? So I just... Made the leap, and no, it was it, it was a great time, and, and uh, glad we were able to pull that off and keep keep the thing rolling. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I just want to say just really quickly, it was one of the most memorable single moments in the entire uh, summer. Of unbelievable thing. In my 26 years at the museum, it was the single most memorable moment. I was standing next to Jerry when he did that. And it's a wonder you could keep that camera steady. We were laughing so hard. He was just like this, and I was giggling so hard. I don't know how we ever kept her. Well, there were a lot of different things that we did during the movie. Um, but when you when you saw those films, uh, the the pits in Miami, which were actually all shot in in Long Beach, California, there was no way to get the trailers down where they wanted us to have the trailers. So we brought in the cranes first. Then we brought in the boats. We picked the boats up off the trailers with the cranes, set them in the water, then picked up the trailers, moved them over the road, set them down on the beach where they wanted us, then picked up the boats and put them back on the trailers. So it looked just like a normal pit, but there was no way in or out for a real vehicle. So there was a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, if I could, uh, two people that aren't here that helped on the construction of the uh, two-headed monsters, we call it, um, Randy Hoyle and Steve Hosky spent hours and hours, and I was involved in that too, putting a functional steering wheel, throttle, cockpit, windshield, the whole mix controls, everything, gauges, everything it took. Did, did you help on that too, Larry? And Karn? Yeah, yeah, Larry was there. We just, we had a lot of work to do and trying to figure out how to do it that had never been done before. And I believe George Greer was crew chief on the Burien that time. Give away, George. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that whole transition. Well, I just remember being pretty late one night, and uh, Dave was there. We were in the middle of trying to get that Bokenberg over, and I go, Dave, you really need to get Jerry Hopp down here. He's going to be driving this thing. Figure <laughs> this out. And that was where he got started on. I think yeah. after that, he, he headed up that part. So one of the real extraordinary things that we did was work with the, the six-scale RC models to, to uh, recreate some of those accidents. And Don Mock was the RC guru. I do have to say that the first half of that accident that you see is a real accident. I hooked the Madison and was thrown out and broke a couple of ribs, and they used that as the first half of the accident. And then they used Don's models for the second half of the accident. He stole our uh, thunder. 
because you saw the crash in, the, in his video, right? Today? Yeah. I was surprised we had footage of that. The model thing was the, it's the coolest thing I've ever done. The movie guys really didn't have a plan. We started by, we built four of one six scale boats, thanks to Roger Newton and the McKeon brothers, a lot of people pitched in. Went to California, to Lake Castaic, California for the shoot. And uh, they didn't really have a plan. We knew that Davy was supposed to be killed in this crash in the uh, yeah. town club. And the Madison was supposed to spin out, but if you look real close, you notice Jim McCormick did get killed too because it ended up upside down. <laughs> but they tried all these wacky attempts to, to create the crash by putting that one guy out in the water holding the Madison while I drove straight at him. I said, this is not going to go good. It's okay, just don't hit him. Okay. The insurance guy must not have been there. Did I go out? He was still in, in Long Beach. <laughs> And then, uh, then we convinced them, we can do it live. We can, the two boats, let David Jensen and, and myself go out, and we'll just drive right at your cameras. And uh, one thing I learned is film, motion picture film, high-speed cameras run at 300 frames a second. Thousands of dollars worth of film every time we screwed up. So when, when they said action, you could hear these motors wind up in both these cameras, and boy, we better not screw up. But we did screw up a few times, but we, we nailed a couple beautiful crashes. And uh, they, they kind of used parts of them, but David really made it legit by spinning out the Madison. That was nice of you. <laughs> we got the wounds for it, too, man. Yeah, I, I still feel that whenever the water gets cold. You have to tell the story. You, you can, I was surprised seeing his video how fast you guys were coming down the front straightaway. No wonder you spun it out. You were... Well, I know I've said it before, but I sure do love a good cliffhanger. But I hope you've enjoyed our 18th episode. I want to give a big thank you to the Hydroplane Raceboat Museum, alongside their sponsors of Home Street Bank and Dr. Muscatel, to make the 20th anniversary screening happen. It was a lot of fun walking down Nostalgic Lane and hearing stories that I hadn't previously heard before. Make sure you check back next week as our next episode will be released Tuesday, January 28th at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates and Hydra news, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Tail Talk is also online with our website, roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydra news, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners, but if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us continue to grow and expand, please donate. You'll find a link to donate through PayPal on our website under the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.